Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Can you still be fulfilled at 40 without the partner, without the children, the career, or the beautiful home, all in the picture? Failure at 40 interviews, debates, and discusses the reality of turning 40. I think sometimes it's more about looking at yourself and being like, well, did I actually communicate what my needs were throughout this relationship before it got to that stage of breakdown? And again, yeah, that's my kind of opinion on it. I don't know if we always talk about what our expectations are. We as women, we have this guilt factor all the time. So we feel bad for saying, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. We feel guilty for having that conversation publicly. We might say it to our girlfriend or whatever, but we feel guilty to say, actually, this is really difficult. Failure If a man has got money, but he's not emotionally mature or together or supportive, that money is irrelevant. You're bringing me money and a whole lot of stress. Failure at 40. Failure at 40 challenges the notion of failure and redefines what success looks like to you. Who says if you haven't reached all of your goals by 40 that you are not a success? Failure at 40 interviews, debates and discusses the reality of turning 40 in modern Britain. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Failure at 40. On today's episode, we have three ladies discussing and debating their views on womanhood. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Can we introduce ourselves? What's your name? Where are you from? What's your passion? What do you do? I am Sham. I am a self-love activist and newly new author. Um, And I also work in education. All things personal development is my my career choice. Hi, I'm Jessica. I am a DJ and producer and music is definitely my passion. Yeah, I'm a mum. Hello, I'm NSJ. I am a teacher by day and a love guru by evening. So I'm all about helping others to learn to love their self and what impact that has on the individual. Um, I'm a mother to a 24-year-old and I've got a two-year-old grandchild. That's me. And I am Shelley, the life coach here amongst some really lovely and inspiring ladies. And on that note, what are some of your earliest ideas about womanhood, ladies? My earliest ideas of womanhood well I became a woman quite young actually um 16 (laughs) that was the beginning of my journey towards womanhood uh, because I had a daughter at 16 so I think when you become a mother you in your own right uh, become a young a young woman that's what I would say I was a young woman and part of that journey meant that I had to mature probably a lot quicker than what my peer group was actually maturing. Uh, so I found my, that was quite, it was quite a struggle um, going into womanhood before my peer group. Um, however, I think that those experience, those experiences shaped me. So the way that I may look at womanhood is probably from a... How can I say it? A maturer approach, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like, even though I'm only 40, I feel like a, well, I am a granny, but I feel like an old granny, if that makes sense, because I've been on the journey for such a long time. So, yeah, mine started at 16, definitely. Is that the same for the rest of you ladies? When would you say your earliest ideas about womanhood? Um, I think for me, um, it was just watching my mum, to be honest. Like. Um, that was my earliest thoughts of womanhood, what womanhood meant and what it looked like was her. 
Um, and so I just kind of like feel like my earliest ideas of what a woman was, was someone that was just a caring, nurturing, hardworking, strong, single woman. Like I, I never had a picture of um, a woman in a relationship. Like I never had that picture. So for me, it was always just my mother was this idea of what womanhood would be. Um, and as I got to my teenage years, I started looking, reading a lot. I used to read a lot. And, and um, I think I've mentioned this before um, in numerous things I've done is the Mills and Boons collection that my mum had of womanhood looking very different to what I had seen in my house. And so I kind of modelled my idea of, of womanhood off my mother and the whole fantasy of the Mills and Boons collection. So, yeah, that was my kind of idea of womanhood from that age. I definitely think mine was quite similar. I definitely think I, I looked at my my grand, my mom, my aunts, you know, kind of what they were doing, you know, and the things that I liked about them as inspired by them. You know, they're wearing these nice heels. They're coming back from some sort of shubs and <laughs> shubs being party, <laughs> you know, and I remember just looking at all the pretty clothes they used to wear and, and thinking, I hope I'll be like that at some point. I turned into a tomboy, but, you know, <laughs> at, some, at some point I did, I did used to see that as quite um, my icon of what, what womanhood was. And it was about the strong woman, that matrifocal, really strong patriarch, should I say. Um, Jess, that's what I was going to say to you. What formed your ideas? Where did your ideas maybe come from more so about being a woman? Yeah, so as everyone's talking, it's kind of like got my mind, got my juices flowing. And my my earliest ideas of womanhood was definitely strength and um, strength and leadership. And I think it's because the the women that were around me growing up, my family, so my mum, my grand, my grandparents, because I had two nans, um, aunties, everyone was quite strong. Um, independent and there was no sort of like in my family I don't feel that there was really much patriarchy in the sense of like men running the show Um, so I've always felt like I think growing up in my mind women just get on with it they just get stuff done do you know what I mean? And and then there's the side that you just mentioned as well. Like I think of womanhood as quite fun. Like my mum, she she was and still is a very fun person, always out, always dressed up to the nines and just owning her female identity. And I think I've followed in my mum's footsteps in that way. And I guess the flip side, looking outside of the family circles and what's around us, I guess, like reading literature, you know, what we see on TV. Cause I remember growing up, I'd be watching like Dallas dynasty, you know, and all these different EastEnders, sunset beach, whatever you want to call it. These are all things that I kind of think give you ideas about womanhood, whether it's women from your same race or from a different race, you're still seeing how men or society are interacting with women. And, and I wonder, and you guys let me know what you think, how much, does what's outside of your home circle impact how you see yourself and then what you want for yourself as women growing up? No, I think I was really, I was influenced a lot by TV. I was, I'm very much a, um, I love everything to do with reading, writing, like anything that tells stories. I think I'm interested in stories. And so for me, there was a movie with, um, I think it was Meg Ryan called The Working Girl. Um, and where she was basically, it was like she she accidentally like 
kind of talked herself and lied her way into this big job and she did such a good job and in the end she kind of got this this job in the end and got the man and blah 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 and I was, I was very much about the story um and the story I grew up with was very much the strong powerful woman blah 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 but my mom that wasn't the story that she really wanted to live she wanted that fantasy as well that whole man that's the you know the the one that runs the home she didn't I don't think she really wanted to do it but that was just the only um she that was the only choice she had and so I think for me when I was look I, I kind of followed suit with that fantasy of I'm going to be a strong independent woman but I'm going to have a man that's even stronger by my side like all the all of that um uh yeah as unrealistic as it was very much Disney it just literally was something that I kind of started to plan out for my life and I guess it's easy in life to kind of just coast you know like not necessarily knowing but just evolving as you're going with it you know but sometimes if you have a vision and maybe you're looking for something what about you NSJ? I was sitting here and I was thinking and I was like no I was never influenced by anybody um I came from a household where, you know, I, ha- I came from a single parent family. My dad was there, but my mum my brought me up single handedly. Um, and my grandmother was a, a major influence over my life. Uh, God bless her soul. Uh, but did I, when I was growing up, did I see myself being like any of them or anyone else? No, I just always had my, I don't know, my own kind of idea. Um, very much like Sham, I loved reading. So I did do a lot of reading, but I think from a very young age, it was always, I started on Martina Cole books, I think, some East London, oh God, no, gangster books. That's what I was reading. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I definitely didn't want that life. Um, but there wasn't a major influence. I mean, there's many parts of my mother and my grandmother, probably more so my grandmother, because I think if you have that, if you're grown by your grandmother, they have a, for me, there was a stronger influence on my grandmother and the things that she kind of like told me and taught me and, and the things that she told me not to do as opposed to what she told me to do. Um, but I was always very much like, I'm going to do this my own way. I want to be my own person. I want to take bits from what I've learned, but create my own kind of family structure and how I wanted my daughter to grow and how I now want my granddaughter to grow, which is, you know, there was nothing wrong with the way that I was brought up, but I just wanted it to be different. So yeah, I think I was always a little bit eccentric. I was always that in the family, but the black sheep of the family, because I weren't doing what everyone else was doing. Jess? So I wasn't influenced by by what was happening in the home. And um, like NSJ, my 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 maternal grandmother had a big hand in my upbringing and me and her were really, really close. Like she was like, I always say she's like my second mum. And um, it's funny because exactly what you just said. I saw my my nan's life and I knew I didn't want it to be anything like that. And um, but not because I thought it was wrong. I just thought I just wasn't that style of person. So I have also always done my own thing. But I do think I, I funny enough, I think my influence, a lot of my influence as a young girl slash teenager growing up, I think a lot of my influence came from music. Like um, music really romanticizes you know, love and relationships and women's roles and men's roles. And I think that um, for a big part of my life, 
I was modeling my life on 90s R and B songs. <laughs> you know <Wow>. what I mean? <laughs> and I, I probably still am a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so my influences probably did come more from outside, but I've also always been a massive dreamer. And so I've always had these little fantasies and fairy tales and romantic ideas in my head that I just yeah, that that's sort of what I've always followed. Um, so yeah, but I think like uh, TV definitely influences you as well, and not necessarily like you follow um, what you see on TV. But I think even now sometimes I watch TV and there's like scenarios going on, and you see how people interact or how they deal with things, and you think, yeah, like you either kind of reson it either resonates with you or. Most of the time, I think as if you'd really do that or as if you'd really say that. But I do think they they sometimes do trigger thoughts in your mind, you know, of maybe situations you're going through and you think maybe I should take a leaf out of her book because I like how that all panned out. Do you know what I mean? Or or vice versa. Like, yeah, sometimes. Unconscious, yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes you see scenarios and you think, oh, no, I'm not going to do that because if that's how I'm going to be perceived, how this person, I'm not doing that because this person looks like an idiot. Do you know what I mean? Just a real random example. And it's good that you just said that, Jess, because my next kind of bit that I was going to talk about was rites of passage, you know, and very much what are some of the things that help guide or inform us as we're on our journeys and very much music, guys, finance, you know, school, I started my period, you know, all these different things. I think of rites of passage for us that we don't even really note or kind of take notice of as we're going along the journey. We just move with the journey, but they really are. As when you look back on things, that's why you're probably able to maybe support others by giving them ideas and saying to them, well, actually, when I was X, I was doing X. I don't know if you guys have got younger, younger cousins, siblings or whatever, but sometimes you are able to give them back your experiences and let them know. So was there anything about you guys' rites of passage that kind of sticks out or helped you along with your journey? My 20s. <laughs> my 20s. They were... Woo, my 20s. But you could have paid me to go back there. Um, and I'm <laughs> telling you, and I don't care. I, if someone said to me, back to your 20s or back to your teenager, take me back to being a teenager. I'm not trying to go back to them 20s. Um, the 20s for me, they were just really difficult, man. They were just... You know, they're, they're those first real years where your mom can't tell you nothing. She can't, but you don't actually realise till you get to about 27. Like, you can't chat to me really, mom, because I'm not listening. I'm just going to make my own decision, actually, so I don't care what you've got to say. Like, but those first, I would say, seven years, me and my mom battled. Because imagine, by the time I was 27, my daughter was 11, but my mom was still looking at me like I was 17. So... There was that constant battle of trying to find my own, like my own identity. I think that's what my 20s were about. It was about finding my own identity and struggling with the fact that my mum wanted me to be one way. My grandmother was, you know, telling me, you can't do this and you can't do that and not look that them and another. Like so many different things were being thrown at me. And I was like, God damn, I just want to know who I am. And um, what yeah, would have I helped, struggled. Natasha? What would have helped? What would have helped is if they left me alone. <laughs> 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 That's what would have helped. 
leave me alone let me find my own way um but you know as as parents and grandparents and family obviously they want to help you um financially oh god damn it as well just broke as hell in my 20s it was just it was just a just tough financial time financial management time isn't it yeah like tell you that adulthood's gonna be like that oh yeah i feel like they they attempt to to tell you rather than direct you which i think is a little bit different because i think yeah. being, being given advice like maybe if you do this you know your, your credit rating is going to be really whack for about another yeah and, it was like and the thing is when they tell you those things you don't want to hear it really you just want to be like oh get out of here i'm doing it anyway um and, and and it was a lot of trial and error and i think again like i said being 27 with an 11 year old trying to be that bet that good role model so you know when your friends are running up and down and you just really want to run up and down but i'm very conscious of having the facts that I've got a young woman, a young lady that's about to go into secondary school. Um, so I had to really wind myself in really quick and yeah, 27, man, I couldn't wait for them ugly 20s to just get out of my life. About the same for the rest of you ladies. How was your rites of passage? What helped and informed your journey in the earliest stages, adolescence afterwards? I think moving out, I think I moved out at 17. Oh, I, I say I moved out. My mum would like me to say I moved out, but she kicked me out. She told me to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She told me to leave. She said two big women can't live in the same house, so I must leave. And I left and I had to fend for myself. So definitely I kind of thought I didn't have a young child, but I definitely was thrown into the deep end of literally like, all of a sudden I had to fend for myself. All my friends were at college and I'm having to juggle college, paying bills, like getting food. I remember living off noodles for months. Like, like no one told me about this. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have noodles. You know, five packs of noodles for one pound in the pound shop. You can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> um, but that was a, that was a, for me, it wasn't my twenties like NSJ. Mine was the from 17 to 20. Those were my struggle years. Those were the years where I literally was by myself in a little hostel. I had to make sure bills were paid. I had to make sure food was on the table. I had to go to college and I also had to work. And so it was kind of, for me, just like, how, like, how am I doing this? Like, how am I going to get doing this? But because I was young and I was the party house because I was the person that didn't have any parents there. So everyone wanted to come to my house and hang out. It was a, it was a, it was a difficult time, a fun time, but lonely time. I would say lonely is the word that I would use. It was lonely. As soon as everyone went, I was like, okay, I've got to go to go to college. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to go to work afterwards. Got to get home. Like it was, it was, it definitely taught me about how I wanted to live my life. And I think that was the period of time where I was like, okay, what do I actually want my life to look like? I remember thinking what my, what I want my life to look like. I think I was 19 when I sat down and did my New Year's resolution for the first time of sitting and actually planning out what I wanted to achieve the next year. Um, but it was tough. And then after that, things just kind of, I just started to find myself in that way. But then I went, fall, fell into that whole fairy tale, falling in love. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to live happily ever after. I'm going to have a big house. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen. What would have helped, do you think, information-wise, like people around you, what do you think you should, you wanted, would have helped if you heard at those ages? Um, I don't think, I don't think I would have really 
hurt anybody to be honest I think I was for a long time as much as I didn't say it I was like really I felt that my mom really was out of line like people did worse than me and got kicked out like and I was I was resentful to her for a long time um and I kind of feel like she threw me in the deep end but when I think about it now like when I got through that period of time I there was there was no chatting to me no one could chat to me I was a big woman like it was just like no one can't tell me nothing. I am a big woman. I'm paying my own bills now. I've started to, like, that's all in process. I'm in a relationship with someone. I have my own place. I've got my own money. No one could tell me anything. I just kind of feel like I resented that the way that I moved out. But I feel like if I didn't move out, I wouldn't have learned the lessons that I needed to learn at that point. Yeah, fully. Jess, same for you? Similar, different? Yeah, so um, my 20s were like... Um, they they were day and night, like the most amazing times, the most fun times, and also the darkest times in terms of all the learning that you do at that point in life and all the mistakes that you make. And like um, NSJ was saying, you, your parents can't really tell you anything in your 20s, but it doesn't mean you don't need to be told. Do you know what I mean? And so I think... Twin, like my 20s was the time for probably making a lot a lot of mistakes and learning a lot of life lessons but also you know being young and footloose and fancy free and doing a lot of a lot of the adventurous stuff that you know you probably not that you would only do in your 20s but probably is most appropriate before you've got responsibilities I mean in my situation I didn't have any responsibilities I had no kid um no house to commit to nothing really um so yeah my my 20s yeah they were the high highs and low lows is how I would summarize them so when I started driving I kind of think that opened me up I started doing a lot more raving I met a lot more people um I was going all the way to Tottenham to go to whatever <laughs> club like a temple I think it was temple it was at those times going Coliseum, picking up people, dropping yeah, them off, bagel random, going King. Bagel King. <laughs> you know, it just just opened me up, right? And playing Jodeci loud. Sorry. Are you are you whining on the um, It's like a dream. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jodeci does I'm that to you, right? Jodeci can do that to you. <laughs> I think I got pregnant to Jodeci. I'm joking. <laughs> I got room. I got room for Jodeci. I got time for Jodeci. I have. And for me, those are rites of passage, you know. I remember going to all days and being upside down, trying to butterfly in my head. And, you know, all these different things, I think, were hand in hand with how I kind of saw myself, you know, go first dates, you know, going off to uni, moving out, all those firsts. And I think when you're getting into your 20s, it is those the first experiences of so many different things. Um, and, and you're not knowing. Things being uncertain in lots of ways and you having to work it out keep it moving so I guess the other question I know some of you have already said it how has motherhood changed you and what impact has motherhood have on had on you all and that goes to anybody how has motherhood changed you you know what did you compromise you know what do you wish you knew now that you didn't know then I don't know about not being a mother to be fair and just when I thought that I found my freedom she went and had a baby. <laughs> I 
and shit. So I was just like, what? Hey, I was vexed. As much as I love my granddaughter. I was vexed. Sorry, baby. I know you're going to listen to this, but I was, and she knew. Um, yeah, I didn't know about not being a mum. I've been a mum since I was 16. So I've never had that, you know, like everyone talks about it, and I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous, man. But how did it change you, though? How did it change you? And I mean, it did change you because you had, you had a little one younger. So I guess your childhood changed. You became a mother. I wasn't a child. I didn't have a childhood, did I? Up until 16. So this is how the story went. Yeah. My mum had me locked in a house like a Cheshire cat. So I weren't allowed to go nowhere. Just as she was just about to get lenient and be like, I remember this conversation clearly. Yeah. So I was driving along and she went to me, all right, you're 16 now. So I think, you know, it's time for me to let you go a little bit. I'm going to put you on the pill. These times I'm thinking I'm pregnant already, mum, pill. Um, but anyway, she was like, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. And I thought, you're letting me go now. I'm pregnant. Like, <laughs> you could have let me go before. Maybe I wouldn't have got pregnant because I wouldn't have had to have been sneaking around. Um, and yes, yeah, so I don't, ne- I don't never felt as though I had a childhood. And my mum had her own personal reasons for why she locked me in. Yeah. And didn't let me go and experience what all my, like, everybody knew that if I went out, yeah, this was like moonshot days. Everyone was at moonshot. It, it, like, it was like this regular rave. And if Tasha was allowed out, she had to be back home by five, five o'clock. The party just started. So I didn't really get to experience, I would say, a childhood. I've all I've ever known is being a mother and Is that because you don't think you're allowed out? Is that why you don't think you've experienced childhood? I not don't think I was allowed out. I am the buck joke of every single girl's get up like that. Like, well, NSJ won't know because she weren't allowed out. Like it was just that it was, I just wasn't allowed out. And but in a way. Now that I'm older, I'm kind of glad that I wasn't allowed out because when you, you're out now and I might go out with my friend, my friend knows everybody. I'm like, ain't you fed up of stopping and saying hello to people? No, I'm actually, I'm glad my mum locked me in the house because no one don't know me. Um, so, and, and so I think it had its, its, its benefits and, its, and it, it, it's had its benefits and it had its downfalls. Um, however, I've enjoyed being a mother. You know, my daughter is my, she, she's my inspiration. What did you feel you had to compromise? Because, I mean, even though you feel like you've missed a childhood, was that what you compromised? I don't even know if I'm really... If I'm really as much as I laugh and joke about it, and I go on like I'm bitter, I'm not bitter about it, um, I don't think I'll compromise anything for my daughter. You know, like, I don't feel... There's nothing that my friends really did that I didn't... That I didn't get to do if it wasn't for choice. Because my mum, when I had my daughter, my mum was really good and my grandmother. So I did still get to go out and rave with my friends every weekend when it got to that kind of stage. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think my daughter grounded me. My daughter stopped me from doing a lot of buck wild things as I was about to rock wild. I'm not going to lie. I probably would have ended up in prison, getting with the wrong kind of people. And Does that bit become the compromise? Yeah. Yeah, like there was, do you, like, do you remember when? Do you remember when Leah Betts? When, when did Leah Betts die? I think she was like nineteen ninety seven, and she took an E or something, and she died. And I remember looking at her. That drugs was never my thing, yeah. But you never know what road you're gonna go down. You just don't know, yeah. Uh, especially with the type of raves that I was going to, I could have just thought, oh, let me just try this one day. And um, I remember looking at her and thinking, oh my god. 
if I had done that and I died, who's going to raise my daughter? And that was something that stopped me. Like a lot of things that came into my life, all I used to think about was who's going to raise my daughter? Who would do this for my daughter? Who would? So she, I don't know. I saw her as a real, real big blessing. She was a massive blessing. Jess, what was your your uh, sort of take on that? How's motherhood changed you, Jess? Your mother's small, isn't she? How old is she? She's four. So I had her more on the later side. And um, I don't think motherhood's changed me very much at all, to be honest with you. Like, I hear people talk about how, you know, they're not themselves anymore. Not that they're not themselves, you know, their life's not their own and they're now just a mum. And I don't feel like that at all. The only thing that I think has changed, um, that the only ways in which I think I've changed is you have to obviously exercise a lot more patience um you know having a child at any stage in life if you haven't got patience you're lining yourself up for a lot of stress I mean we all try our best and you know it's not a judgment but nobody could kind of say bringing up a child when you're stressed to the end of your tether all the time is a good thing so you have to exercise patience you have to be a lot more understanding do you know what I mean? You, you you just, those kind of things have like mellowed me a bit. I mean, I've always been quite a mellow person, but I definitely have gained more patience since I've had my daughter. And then there's the obvious things like spontaneity. Like I am like the most spontaneous person ever. And when you've got a child, you can't just pick up and go, you know, you have to, like I'm going out um, this weekend and like for about two days, I've been making arrangements for, where my daughter's going to be and what time I've got to take her there and how like coordinating that with what time I've got to be with where I'm going and that kind of thing. But that's just basics. But, you know, like I was so spontaneous in my twenties and thirties, you could phone me up and say, Jess, do you want to go on holiday? And I'd be like, yeah, when? Well, in two days time, I'd be like, yes, I'm there. You know, now that's, I'd be like, where, what, what, what airport are going to be at? Yeah. I'd be at. I like, <laughs> I've I've been I, I've been to Miami with two days notice before. Just thought, yeah, why not? So it's 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 um that type of lifestyle has obviously had to change, and there are a lot of things you have to miss out on when you've got a child. But I don't really see it as missing out. I just see it as you're doing something else. So yeah, I'd love to be out all the time and this and that. But do you know what? I also love being at home, being a mum and sitting on the sofa with my daughter watching films or going skating or whatever we decide to do. So, but in terms of my own identity and the lifestyle that I live, I don't think it's changed that much. I still, you know, cause I think like the way I live my life is such a, is such a big part of who I am that I couldn't really like let go of all of that. I'd be like a different person. That's a powerful place to be, isn't it? I think lots of mums don't always retain so much of that. So that's quite quite good to hear. Is that the same for you, Sean? <laughs> like completely, completely different. I think I had my first daughter at 24 and my my experience from 24 to 30 was pretty much the same. It was, she didn't really affect anything. My life didn't really change that much. I was still building in my career at that point. There were so many people that want to babysit a one child then when you add the second child, 
it's like it's a different thing <laughs> it was different so and then I had a big gap between my girls so my girls are eight years apart like I got to the point where I, I was like I'm just gonna have one and because it's fabulous it's like having your own little Birkin bag like you know that it was just it's just perfect like every I took her everywhere she did everything every dance class every music lesson like Everything that she wanted to do, like I would just allow her to do. We watched TV together. We did trips together. We went on holidays. It was cool. And then it got to the point where I was like, oh, maybe I'm running out of time. I should have a second one. Like I should really just pop it out because that's what I said I wanted to do. Um, and I did. And it was completely different. Like it was juggling between the two. I found that really difficult. And then going right back to the beginning again of going back to the baby stage, back to the toddler stage as well as dealing with a, a child that's going on to secondary school and then having to do this. Because uh, they've got different needs. They're going to yeah, have different needs. different needs. And the, 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 the activities you do, one is not going to enjoy what the other one's going to enjoy. And so then you don't want to separate them, but you also have to give them their individual time with you. It was, listen, I was, I was like, this is not cool. Like anyone that asked me, <laughs> should, oh, you know, I want to have kids, just have one. Just have one. That's the fun times. Do you know what, Sham? You're putting me off. I've been saying for ages, I just want one more. And now you're making me think. It's Uh. good because you you get one out now. Just don't have a big gap. Get one out now. You'll be good. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I think five is already quite a big gap, though. Yeah. Like my daughter's about to be five. But it's, I mean, some people work it really well. But for me, I started to want my, when my, eldest got to around seven eight I started to get my independence back like I didn't feel like I needed to focus so much she could get up and she could like shower by herself brush her teeth I didn't have to tell her anything um and I started to feel like you know I can go out she's happy to go and play with her cousins or do this um and then going back to the beginning again when you just feel like you're getting your independence back and the spontaneity back that you that you start getting back again and then you start all over again. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I didn't realize like that it was going to be like this. And I wasn't I wasn't in the position where I was ready to stop my career and or slow down the career because I had just started to speed back up again. Then I was like, OK, I might have to slow down now. And then I had the marriage breakdown. And so then I was now a single mom of two kids. And I'm like, OK, wait wait what's going on I, I, I can't I can't cope um <laughs> so and then no one tells you how to be a single mom like no one tells you you just it's, I was never a single mom. I've been raised by single moms so I didn't realize what they have to go through or what they were doing until I was in the position of being a single mom to two children of different ages different schools different needs it was a lot like so for me um it didn't change me, but it meant that I was no longer the priority. And with my first, I felt like I could still fit me in at a, a certain level. But with two, I really struggled with that. It took me a long time. And the youngest one's now eight. And I'm only like the last two years I like, found my feet. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Do you think we have enough like, opportunities to learn from others who are sharing about what it means to be a single mum, what it means to have children, multiple children, big age gaps or not? Because my understanding is that often we, we don't get to, you know, hear from other people about what we could do or give you share information and knowledge. Um, have you found in your own circles that that's been readily available? Or have you had to go out and seek that or have you just got on? No, I think you have to seek it, to be fair. I, I mean, I think you have to, I think. 
we as women, we have this guilt factor all the time. So we feel bad for saying, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. We feel guilty for having that conversation publicly. We might say it to our girlfriend or whatever, but we feel guilty to say, actually, this is really difficult or this is really like, I don't know about you ladies, but I feel like it's, it's always like we always feel bad for saying anything that is that may sound negative about being a parent. I I agree with you, Sean, but I think that maybe, I, I don't know, I think what I found when I was, I've done that single parent life from when she was eight months old. And what I found was that because I'd seen it with my mum and my nan, I just thought, not my nan actually, but my mum, I thought that was normal. So it, as much as I, I agree with you, you talk about it within your friends group, if you're friends, if you've got friends that are sort of like single mums, but you don't really talk about it outside of there. Do you know what I mean? You don't actually talk about the fact that, oh, actually, if my mum weren't living around the corner, I don't even know where we, we would have eaten um, last night. You don't talk about those kind of struggles because I, I don't know, I think they just, they become... If you've grown in it, it's almost like natural. It becomes part of your life, doesn't it? So it's like, well, this is just it. And it's just, it is what it is. But I think that maybe as we get older now, I'll share those things. I'll probably share it more now than what I did when I was actually going through it. Yeah, because when I was going through it, it was just that moment of the time. It was just, that's what I was going through. And that was part of the struggle. And also like the superwoman context can take over sometimes. Yeah, like, you just get on with it. Because you, you see people getting on with it, you kind of don't want to feel like, if I say I, I'm struggling with it, what, what does that mean for me? Um, and also, I think, I remember when I had, had my son, I remember thinking, wow, this is hard. I am exhausted. You know, like, what, 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 when am I going to get some food? Because he's eating about four times and I ain't seen a plate yet, you know? Um, I remember speaking to some of my friends and apologizing and saying, listen, I had no idea what you were going through when you had your baby or babies. You know, I, I didn't even come around and help you wash a plate. I didn't even come and do anything because I understood the magnitude once I had my son, actually what it takes and what a lot of women are managing quietly without saying. And that's whether you're in a relationship or, or single, because some women are in marriages and relationships and still having to look after the children and the men and still keep those going. And I just kind of think sometimes, like what Sean was saying, sometimes you have to ask, seek it, because sometimes people are not going to bring it to you, even though they might be willing to share it. They're not going to give it to you off the bat. So I felt quite isolated as well, um, especially for the first probably two and a half years of my daughter's life, because uh, I had to wait for my friends to catch up in it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but for the first two and a half years, I didn't have anyone to talk to about any of the struggles that I had. Like, yeah, you've, you've got your mom and your grand, but, you know, they're just, my mum was like, I'll just shut up your mouth and get on with it. And it was just like, no, but I don't want to shut my mouth and get on with it. I want to talk to someone of my own age group about this. So, yeah, I think I felt a little bit isolated um, in the beginning. Uh, yeah, that was my experience on it. That was my experience. So I learned that shutdown from a lot quicker. Well, I mean, I definitely think it's important for women in terms of rites of passage, you know, to be able to speak to others and to be able to go somewhere. It doesn't have to be within your friend groups. They used to have a thing that they used to call sister circles. And that could be from elders to very young women. And they would sit in, in circles and they would share life stories, information, tips, whatever it is. Um, and I think that's something that we're missing today. I mean, what would you say, Jess, in terms of, you know, how that's impacted you, motherhood and such? Going back to what 
um, Sean was saying, you you do feel guilty if you're not managing everything and just handling it all. Even though you know logically, like, you know, no one's perfect. We all know that parenthood is hard. It's not like we haven't heard that before. You don't know how hard it is until you're living it. And obviously every situation, you know, the there's different factors in everyone's situation that will make that more or less the case. Yeah. So yeah, you do, you do feel guilty, but what I find is when you talk to other mums and you realize how similar everyone's experiences are, it does alleviate some of that guilt because basically we all go through the same thing just to different, to varying degrees. Um, and so I've been lucky in terms of support because me and my close circle of friends all had our kids around the same time so I think when you've when you're all going through something at the same time you naturally talk about it you know um and so and that's when you realize that gives you that kind of like that support where you realize you're not on your own and I think just knowing you're not on your own sometimes that can just make you feel so much better because when you're sitting there you know at home like I've been in situations where my daughter won't she wouldn't she wasn't sleeping properly or you know she wasn't settling and when you're sitting there and you're not you you're sleep deprived and you're by yourself and you're just like oh it's just getting a bit much you sit there thinking what am I doing wrong and like why is this happening and like you know but then sometimes you also what I noticed is you think oh my friends don't say that they're going through this but they might have already been through it like they they had that stage and they've come out the other side and never mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they, they haven't mentioned it. And you talk to them and they're like, oh, no, no, we had that and this is how we got through it. And, yeah, so, um, and also going, um, referencing what um, NSJ said, like when you grow up with a single parent, which I did from about 10, you do just think it's the norm and you get on with it. Like even now, at this age and this stage of life, every so often I literally like, catch myself like chasing my tail and I go hold on a minute I'm actually doing everything here like every single thing that is required to bring up a child and run a household and look after myself and make money I'm doing all of it and not saying yeah not saying my daughter's dad doesn't help at all but you know the day-to-day stuff that's the stuff that you feel you know even if you're getting financial help from outside that's nothing to do with constantly having a wash on the go and constantly, you know, folding up washing and cooking and cleaning. And, you know, I, you clean and you turn it around and it's all back to how it was because your child just. You're just cleaning the circle. Yeah, yeah. You clean around in the circle exactly. and you come back round. Exactly. <laughs> and then this is going back to what I said earlier. Then you've got to exercise the patience because you tidy up and you turn around and it's messed up and you just want to cuss. Like you're like, what and then and then I have to say to myself Jess she's four like this this is what she's going to do she's going to pick up a toy she's going to put it on the floor and she's going to go and do something else and her attention's not going to be on one thing you you just got to deal with it there's no point getting angry with it so yeah but um so when they turn around and go, Mummy, are you okay? Because <laughs> you look like you're going <laughs> And they just want to check, you're right. <laughs> Ladies, I'm just going to remind you, they move out. 
<laughs> but then they have babies and bring the babies to you. It doesn't matter. You give them, no, but it doesn't matter. You give them back and move out. <laughs> Wherever they live, that's where their babies live too. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the beauty it's the beauty now being like I mean we're all in our 40s you know we're in 2020 what do you think is expected of women now today or even just from your own perspective what's expected for women in 2020 I expect everything everything (laughs) yeah everything (laughs) everything everything all things (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No, is- wait, what's everything? No, what's everything? I want to know. They, they, I everything? feel like in this day and age, women are expected to be super mum, career driven, money makers, perfect wife slash girlfriend, homemaker, show home, Missive. driving, yeah. bodies on point, skins on point, <laughs> hairs on point. All of it. Like, <laughs> everything you're expect, and if you don't, if you, if you drop one of those balls, you're, you're, you're failing. You're not good enough. Do you know what I mean? That must be why I ain't got no man then. That must be why I ain't got no man. <laughs> I'm like, no, darling, that's not me. <laughs> oh, wow, that is hilarious. I do think I do think what's expected of women and some of the pressure that's put on women and what women put on themselves is almost unachievable. Yes, totally. You know? and it's like, seriously? Really? How? I was going to say, do you think that sometimes how, you know, like, as women now women of 2020 and maybe even a little bit before like we can be so viciously independent as well that that everything encompasses that it's like well you know you want to be independent so good make sure your body look on point make sure you can clean the ass make sure you can cook make sure you've got a good job make sure you've got all of these things but don't you think we've been pushed into that super independence? A lot of men, a lot of a lot of men can't be relied upon. So your natural instinct is, let me just do it myself. And it's not even that like there's different people. I can't speak for everyone. But like say for me, I don't ever sit there and go, Oh, a man is of no use to me. A useful man is of use to me, and I'd like one, right? But if you haven't got one, what else? What what other choice do you have? You just got to get on with it. I think I think we need to blame Beyonce here because she started. <laughs> she came out with that. Oh, it, do you know what I mean? She came out with that independent <laughs> song, and from that, women come on now. All of us no, were in that club singing. From, from we feminism, was, I think long before her, women were. No, women but I think that I. No, I think that yeah, I I agree with that, but I do think that that song was a turning point for many women. I think that was a turning point for I'll many men. I'm blaming Beyonce for women. I'm blaming her. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce. cut out the name. Cut out the name. I don't want. I don't want her chasing me down. But I think that she has something to do with it. <laughs> do you know what I think? Yeah, men like, and I, this is not a man bashing thing, but men have been letting women down way before that. And you see, when you get let down, you get pushed into independence. You know, if you feel like you can't rely on anybody else, what other choice do you have? Unless you're going to sit there moaning about the fact that you can't depend on anyone. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. We did um, um, a group, a men's group um, of conversation very similar to this, and they've given us some questions that they'd like to put to you three beautiful ladies. So I think since Jessica's already got it starting. <laughs> okay, so a, few, so a few of them are statements. So most of them are statements and we can either give true or false or we can just say how we feel about what they've said. 
Question number one is women want to do it all. And when it breaks down, they point fingers saying men are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, which Jessica, I think, kind of um, points a little bit back on what she was just saying. As modern day women, we do want to do it all. We want to have, we want it all. And I'm generalising, obviously, you know, I think a lot of women would love to be all of what we just discussed, you know, good mum, career driven, look good, you know, healthy, all that stuff. But I think we do want to do it all. But if we're in a relationship, we expect it to be a partnership. We expect the man to pull his weight. So then if what this person has said, oh, when it all falls down, women want to start pointing fingers what that what I how I interpret that is maybe you weren't doing your bit it's so like when you're in a relationship nine times out of ten you sit down and discuss where you're going what your visions are what your goals are what you want to do and halfway through the journey something changes and you think well this isn't what we discussed this isn't what we agreed so what about the bit you're supposed to be doing so that is what I think that statement means that's that's how I read into that I don't think anybody's that unreasonable that they have taken you know they they have taken on uh or endeavored to do certain things and then blaming a man that it didn't work out I don't think that's how it really goes I think it's about the support that could be lacking yeah, definitely. And also probably a bit about, you know, egos being bruised sometimes. And I guess when the ego's bruised, you know, and then maybe somebody might check you on some concerns, all of a sudden it feels like, well, you took all of that out of my hands anyway. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing, you know, do we take accountability for what we didn't do, like you said, Jessica, and then somebody else having to pick up the mantle where you've dropped it. Yeah. I think that, I think, I think Jessica hit the key word there, expectations. I think sometimes as women and men, we have expectations of what the other should be doing. Um, are those expectations always communicated? Jessica put it nicely that they sit down and they discuss visions and for the future. But how many times do you do that? Because people's life changes. So things might happen within life. Like you might lose a family member. Someone might lose a job. Like, you know what I mean? They might just be going for a low time and, do we communicate with our men enough in terms of how we are feeling and what we're going through or if, when something changes for us um, as opposed to just saying, well, five years ago we sat down and spoke about we was going to get married, have children, buy a house, da, 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 but we didn't actually think about all the pitfalls that were going to come along with that. And I think that it's not so much the point in the finger the point in the finger is when you're looking for someone to blame at the end of the relationship I think sometimes it's more about looking at yourself and being like well did I actually communicate what my needs were throughout this relationship before it got to that stage of breakdown and then, yeah that's my kind of opinion on it I don't know if we always talk about what our expectations are and also I think sometimes juggling when you as a woman are just used to juggling and then somebody comes in and wants take one of those balls off you you're like listen unless you can do it properly I'm going to keep juggling (laughs) (laughs) and that also doesn't give them the opportunity to become an expert like yourself and that becomes that and that again what you mentioned earlier knocks their ego off do you know what I mean it knocks them for six because it's like well what do you need me for then like and and I think that's that sometimes that's what can it be like I've only just recently learned that your after make a man feel wanted and, and, like and needed. Need 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 yeah. yeah. 
in there. It's just like having an additional kid in your house. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, I've got another child here. Um, and it's not to be disrespectful. Remember, we are the women, so naturally we're nurturing, yeah? They want to be nurtured as well. And it's just sometimes we're like, but you do know you're a big grown man out here. Like. God forbid you say that. God forbid you say it. <laughs> <laughs> but you, would, you wouldn't necessarily say it, but it shows, it shows in your actions, isn't it? Like, no, nah, I ain't doing that for you, brother. Go and wash your own clothes. Uh, what was you saying just now, Jessica? I just wanted to <laughs> say, in response to what you said, um, Tash, um, about communication, I don't know any women that don't communicate well and don't say what's on their mind. It's a lot of time the men don't want to entertain that type of, not that they don't want to entertain the conversation, but I don't think you can always get through to men. I don't know any women that are backwards in coming forwards. I don't think they understand the language. I think that how we speak, I don't think they understand how to how what we're saying they don't know how to interpret what we're saying I feel like it's completely different language to them and sometimes you have to talk to them in the way that they understand which is a very yeah but it's it's but then it's like they don't want to hear anything that is connected to emotion so you have to be like this needs to be done this needs to be done this needs to be done like that if you go I feel like oh, I feel like they don't hear that no, but Sham, you tell them this 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 in that pragmatic way then they feel like they're being emasculated or you're telling them what to do or do you know what i mean no they don't because that's how their mum taught that's what their mum did so that the only real um experience they've had of women is their mother and so you have to sometimes deal with them like that i don't, I don't care what they say <laughs> they love to be talked to like that. that's what they like to be told like i need you to pay the bills honey what I found is I put it back on them. So not forget about how I feel. I'm like, how do you feel about the fact that you ain't washed the dishes for a whole week? <laughs> <laughs> how does that make you feel? <laughs> how do you feel that you ain't picked up and washed my dirty clothes? Is that passive you know I mean? so Like, are you are you all right with that? Yeah. Are you, do you feel good about yeah, that? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, how do, how do you feel? Do you know what I mean? So instead of you know, I, I, that's what I learned to do because. I'm talking to you back in the language that you understand. You're logical, innit? So logically, how do you feel? I want to know how you feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Forget about how I feel. <laughs> Forget about how I feel, darling. How do you feel about that, <laughs> How do you feel? Yeah? <laughs> oh, mate. I just, I think, I think this idea that women want it all is of some kind. I don't know who told men that women want it all. Like, just because the feminist movement happened didn't mean that the women want it all. We wanted to be able to vote. Yeah, we wanted to be able to vote. We wanted to be able to go to work. We wanted to, we wanted to be able to, right, I mean, who said we wanted to have it all? I still want you to pay the bills. I'm quite happy to stay home, you know. I wanted the choice. That's what I wanted. I wanted the choice. I didn't say I want to do everything. I wanted the choice to be able to do that. At this present moment in time, as women, and whether, regardless of what men want to say, as women, when men and women relationships fell down, fall down, women are then have to pick up the pieces and do everything. It's not that we want to do everything. We have been trained to pick it up and do it. So having someone come back in to then try to help us do it, and they don't know what the hell they're doing because they haven't had to do it, is frustrating. And then they get upset. And then they get upset that you won't let them. Right, I'm letting my finger because you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) 
And if you stayed in the relationship you was in rather than jumping out, you would know. Mm-mm-mm. And I think like what Jess, also, what Jess also said was just the fact that it comes from a position where you actually might feel a little bit inferior because you're not doing what you need to be doing. And actually your partner is having to do a lot, you know, um, and I think what the way that it came about when the actual quote came about and they made it, it was in view that women don't allow men to have um, a place um, and therefore they're carrying everything and then they get upset when things don't go the way that, that they want it to Oh, you mean like when they tried to blame Eve? You yeah. like the time they tried to blame Eve for eating the apple when Adam was the king of the castle? Adam, you're supposed <laughs> to tell us, sit down, what are you doing? But yet you didn't want to leave. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, Adam was like, oh, it's quite nice. Come on, let's try this apple. He should have said to her, no, excuse me, what are you doing? Sit down. No, Apple, he's sitting there going, okay, babe. I'm I'm really trying to understand what type of men and women these are, to be fair. Because they're like, no, no. And it's not even to be disrespectful to these guys or the guy that posed the question, because he's going to hear it from the other side. Um, What I mean by that is like, are we... I, I look at it from the turn point of like supporting each other, supporting one another. So you've got your dreams and in terms of whatever you want to do. I've got mine. I'm independent. There might be like my dream, yeah, um, in terms of what I see myself doing. My partner may be able to support me in that. He may not be able to support me in that, yeah. However, I'm still going to go after my dream. Where are your dreams while you're wondering about why I want it all? I want it all for myself. Like, do you want it all for yourself too? Let's come together and want it all together. So I think sometimes within relationships is that, I don't know, that, that you, it feels like almost like you're competing with your partner as opposed to growing with your partner. It does that, like, does that make, especially if a woman's in the house and she might be earning more money than her partner or whatever the case may be, like, I don't know. If I'm earning more money than you, but I'm still with you, I don't see it as you're inferior to me. I see it as like, all right, this is my goal. This is my life plan. This is what I want to do. It doesn't make me better than you. And if it did, then I wouldn't want to be with you. Men say masculinity is based on the amount of security you can bring a woman financially and emotionally. If the woman is financially sound, she doesn't always view, view the emotional stability a man can bring as equal to his financial expectations. What would you ladies say to that? I don't want your money. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's almost what they're saying is actually women view money as the main, as the main reason that a man is a man. You know, he's supposed to be able to provide financially and all other things come underneath that. Um, And they're saying actually they've got the emotional, they've got the emotional um, stability. Women don't view that as much as they might view financially sound men. I don't agree. Um, if a man has got money, but he's not emotionally mature or together or supportive, that money is irrelevant. You're bringing me money and a whole lot of stress because I find men that are emotionally immature. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of rubbish that comes with that, you know, Um so I don't agree. Obviously, you don't want your man to be in a position where he can't financially contribute but you'd like to think that anyone who's in a maybe not a great financial situation you'd like to think that that's temporary I mean it should only be temporary finances can change any time but if you're not emotionally stable and mature and together that's probably not going to change if you've got into the full if you're fully into adulthood as a man and your emotions aren't in check I don't think they're suddenly going to get in check 
but money can change overnight. But I don't think money is is the indicator of masculinity. Definitely not. I think it depends on how... I'm going to use this word because I love this word. I think it depends on how healed the man is. Yeah. So just like us as women, and we've spoken about our childhood and what we've been through and what we saw our parents go through, like being like being brought up by single parents and whatever the, whatever the case may be. Um, all right, I can only talk for myself. Like there was things that I needed to heal from that I saw within my childhood in terms of the relationships that happened between men and women. Um, and it wasn't until I was way into my thirties that I realized that I actually no, I'm not my mom, my nan and granddad, I'm not my mum or my dad. I'm actually my own individual person who can have my own individual loving relationship. Now, some of these men, and it goes on to, off of the back of what Jessica's saying, that emotional immaturity could be from what they've seen sort of like growing up so it doesn't matter I agree with you it doesn't matter how much money they've got if you haven't dealt with those emotional things that you've had from childhood then you're just going to keep bring them into your adulthood and you can change women as often as you want if you are not changing the patterns of behavior that you've seen then it's just going to be a continuation so it's not necessarily about money sometimes it's about they need to stop and look at themselves I think what these men are saying in particular are saying actually they're finan- they're emotionally able and stable. But and this could just be the women that they go for and the women that they mix with, right? Who don't appreciate what they're bringing in terms of the weight of the emotional support and the maturity in their their own wisdom and thinking. But actually, finance is kind of the indicator that women are dri- driven by when choosing a partner. But I bet if you went, I bet if you went deeper on their men, yeah, there was something that they saw within their childhood with their mum and men that have made them feel that way I bet you because men don't talk about their childhood it, it takes someone to come and open their eyes to it like what was your what was your mum like that definitely came out in the conversations we were having and I would definitely say that you know they, they were definitely able to reflect on their journeys but I guess this is the reason why we put the, the conversations to women to also address questions because men can just talk a lot of stuff that they haven't really got much to substantiate it on I find it a bit weird that um actually it's not weird because we are at the we're in where the ages and I'm assuming the men are the same ages where there's this crossover between what was traditionally done and what is modern and so I think basically it's because of the age that we are we are men of our age group they think that they should be traditional, but yet they, they're walking into relationships where they have modern women. And so I think, I think that's all confusion. The idea that you think masculinity is only associated with finances, that all a woman wants it from you at the, top, at the top priority in this day and age is, is your finance, you being financially stable is a bit, it's a bit weird. I, I feel like basically that person is, is kind of in like in that crossover. Do you get what I mean? Like, I think it's easily done. I think it's easily done for to, to be taken a bit a bit back, you know, at things, and then a bit forward. Yeah, the story we've been told as we were growing up is that a man must provide, a man must profess his love for you, a man must be this blah blah. But in this day and age, the life that we are living for women my age is the modern life of where we have to do it all. And so I think sometimes some men are still living in that past um narrative of that women just want money women just want money and i i don't know where that narrative comes from 
it's just it's old school it's an old school narrative I, I think it's quite, I think it's old to us in a lot of ways about about women being gold diggers you know when actually the facts are that women are are you know, number one and probably open little small businesses, you know, where they're, they're constantly evolving. They're always working. They're often the breadwinners as well. So the fact that women are, are money hungry and are just seeking out men for money, I think is definitely a yesteryear thing. But also, sorry, I'm getting frustrated, <laughs> but also the women that are looking for men that can provide, what is she giving you? So if she, if you expect her to be cleaning, cooking, raising your children, doing the school run, making sure that you're emotionally stable, making sure that you're good, making sure she supports you, making sure she plans the family trips and all this kind of stuff. You have a problem with her. The only thing that she asks for you to do is basically to support her emotionally and provide for the household. I just don't understand. Like, what's, what, what are you, what do you want? Like, I'm confused. Well said. Like, you have to be very clear well about said. what you want. Maybe they possibly don't. Maybe they don't always do. No, but they don't because there's, if you just listen to all the things that is that have just been listed, Sham, there's no balance there. There's no balance. That is too many. That's like 10 things to the two little things that, 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 that a man's going to provide. And I think if, if, we look at this thing as women and it's like, right, we fought for our rights and we want to be treated equally. Well, equally to me is 50-50, that I want to be treated 50-50. So there are 10 things that have been labelled. I'm expecting five, five. Do you see what I mean? Well, I think, you know, expecting there to be equality is always going to be a strained kind of debate. I mean, we want, we want there to be fairness, I guess. But then I suppose that's where we struggle then, because if we can't get it to that stage where it's equal, where we're not equal, all right, we're not equal in terms of, let's look at strength. If we're talking about physical strength, we're never going to be equal to you in that. Yeah. However, everything else, there shouldn't be no reason why we can't be equal. There, there shouldn't be, I just think it's just, it just sounds like it's too off balance. That's what it sounds like. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. I'll give another one of their um their statements was the importance of a man is neglected. Men are expected to prove themselves. Women don't have to prove that they are good enough for a man. Firstly, women are consistently proving themselves in the workplace, in the home, for competing for other women against other women for their man. Like, I mean, like who who are they who are they I need to I need context. I can't. I just can't. Someone jump in, please. There will be a link up. There will be a chance for them to redeem themselves. I think I think there needs to be a link up because do you know what? These men, yeah, they sound like all of these questions just sound very egotistical. It's it's very much about them. And bitter. If they sound a bit bitter, if I'm honest. Like they they sound a little bit like, you know, they're They've gone through some stuff, like oh, <laughs> they need stuff. to heal. They keep on tell them to stop running from one woman to the other and sit down and look on themselves. Yeah, a woman don't solve the problem. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, it's part of it. Heal your soul, okay? It's not coming to me with your baggage. Heal your soul first. And then come and ask me. Then, then the questions would have more context, Sean. I'm telling you, they would have more context. Yeah, because you know, I don't want to get frustrated, and I'm actually, and it's been, it's completely out. No, because for me, I, just, I do feel, I do feel like, um, I feel like men are struggling with their place. But I don't. I think the blaming that on women, I think I find that frustrating. You are struggling to find your place, but that's because the world has changed. Like things have changed. 
but that's not a woman's responsibility to help you find your place. Do you know what I mean? Like that's your responsibility when you join a, a, a woman and you decide that just like um, Jess was saying earlier, you join, you sit down, you have conversations about what it is that you're looking for, what you're trying to achieve, where do you want to go? Those are the kind of conversations you have. That's where you're supposed to find your place. You can't just expect, oh, you know, women just don't like, you know, they expect us to listen, but like, that's just nonsense. You're not having the conversations you, you're, have, you're supposed to have. Like, for instance, like, I remember driving a car. I'll just give you a quick story. I was driving with my mum in the car and um, I was talking to her about my partner wanting to move in. And I was saying to her, yeah, we, we, he's spoken about it. We've spoken about it, but we have to sit down and talk about it. Go through how the household bills and then see, how, no, like split it down the middle, blah, blah, blah. She started laughing. She's like, what do you mean? Like, you're actually going to sit down and put all your business out there? I said, yes. He's moving into the house. So therefore, this is the household bills. This is my bills. So I take care of my bills. But this is the household bills. Because if you're going to move in, that means rent, council tax, water, gas, electric, sky, Wi-Fi. Everything needs to get paid for. We're splitting it down the middle. And so she was absolutely in shock that actually I would have that conversation before handing over a door key. Because in her day, man just moved in and just give her a little change every month. For me, I do feel like sometimes if you're not clear from the beginning, the onset, when you're joining into a home of a woman as a man, which is masculine, it's not about you bringing the money. The masculine energy is you saying, right, let's sit down and let's go through how this is going to work, how our partnership is going to work. If you as a man are not doing that, that's on you. How can you put that on a woman? Yeah, you want some form of leadership. You want them to lead. You want them to be head of the home in some sort of aspect of it. Do you know what, though? And I think, though, as well, and just to pick up on that, yeah, Sharm, I think that sometimes as well, it's it's not always the best idea for the man to move in with the woman, yeah, in terms of that's been a household for however long. Yeah, I would struggle. I'm not even going to lie to bring a man in my house because I've been in it by myself for so long. I think sometimes it's better that you you both start afresh in somewhere somewhere new where none of you's lived. Do you see what I mean? Like, so you're going in that together. So that sitting down and going that half thing. But the same conversation still have to happen, isn't it? No, yeah, but even so that the same conversation has to happen, the conversation... I believe, I don't know, you know, because I ain't got there yet, but this is my plan. The conversation I would, I believe would be easier because you're both starting fresh in somewhere new. Do you see? I mean, you're not coming into my environment where I've got my family pictures up. You want me to move them. Yeah. Um, you want me to move them so I can put up families pictures of your family. It's not that I don't want pictures of your family there, but I quite like my child being up there on the shelf. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think that that brand new thing brings a brand new energy and can make them feel more like a man because we're going in this together. It's something that we're starting together. Yeah, but but that, but I agree, but that's not the that's not that's not a woman's responsibility. That is a joint responsibility. So to put the blame on a woman, you like lead then. Like I'm happy for you to lead. But he's got to lead, isn't it? That's what we're saying. He needs to go. No, I was just gonna kind of agree that um like a man moving into the woman's place it's like they're moving into your house and that can make them feel a bit emasculated and I think it could go both ways I think a woman moving into a man's house it's the same thing where it's not ours it's me at yours do you know what I mean and I think 
ideally getting a new fresh place is the best scenario but it's not always so practical um it's something i've been thinking about myself lately like how would i feel if my partner moves into my home which is mine and my daughter's family home i mean i wouldn't i personally wouldn't feel possessive i would want him to feel at home and welcome but i think he would be the one who'd feel like no but i've moved into your space do you, know, do you know what, Jessica? It just naturally happens, you know. Like they move in and you just do become a little bit possessive of your space. I'm saying it. I've done it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, naturally. I'm like, naturally, I think, because anybody who comes into your space is going to do things different to how you do them. Like even now, like even just like, you know, my partner staying over, I think, so you're going to just leave that glass there then. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you've you've got up, you've got up and gone past the kitchen numerous times. Why why is this glass still here? Oh, you're going to bring another glass into the bedroom. Okay, so we're starting a collection. Okay, right. What? Who's picking them up? Who's picking them up? You. you got a collection, the barmaid. Yeah. So so and that's just and that's just like staying over. So you already know there's going to be things where you think now listen. That there's there's some yeah there's some house rules that need to go down and that's when it starts to feel like they're at yours. That's the problem. It's the house rules. It's the house rules. You might as well go somewhere new. I, I, I would I would advise go somewhere new. Yeah, and do, have them joint house rules start together. Start your rules together. Yeah, because there's yes. nothing worse. Start your rules together, man. Because you they come in and as much as you try to make them feel welcome. <laughs> You're not welcome here. Yeah, we need to start again. Okay, it's not that. It's not that I don't want you. It's not that I don't want you. I want you. I love you. All the things that you that you want and you need. Yeah. However, if we're gonna do this house routine, you can't do it in what I would class as my house. Well, that's. I was just about to say what Stevens already just mentioned, which is often. Women can go into a, a, a man's environment, and you'll already be like, "Oh, let me just fix that." Oh, look, I've seen that there from. Let me tell how it is. Let me just put them. But that's the thing because women make homes. That's why women make homes. So as a man, it doesn't matter. If I'm telling you, my friend's moved in with her boyfriend in a brand new place. He still leaves the glass on the side to, as a collection. He still doesn't put the toilet seat down. Yeah, of course she does. That's my house. Like, fix up. What are you doing? This is the home that we're supposed to be building together. Yeah, but you wouldn't. But I don't think you'd be. Is she as mad though? Because you've moved in together, so like I, I don't know. I just think personally for myself, I'm more mad if I feel as though you're in my environment doing that. And 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 if you've lived in your, like I've lived in my house for a very very long time. Yeah, so for me, this is mine. Like I, I'm gonna be honest. I couldn't. I probably couldn't have another man in here and make him feel comfortable. I've given up now. I'm like. When I meet somebody, we need to start afresh together. If it gets to that stage of like us moving in, we need to be like, sit down, like, all right, what, what area do we want to live in? What? Because you can't live in there. You can't live in there. Yeah, it's, it, and it's not because I don't want you to. It just won't work. I don't even think the initial idea is so much just about them living there. It's about men taking leadership in certain positions and that, that manhood not being demasculated because of money, you know, regardless of what's happening be able to be a man and comfortable in that we need to just have a conversation about this is what we're doing let's have a conversation I guess just going on to the the next uh, statement they had which was men need to call each other out on bad behavior 
do we not think women should do the same thing? I think women do. I was going to say, I often know women who will check another woman who's not allowing dad to have maybe contact with child and say, well, actually, why is he not seeing him or her? You know, and it would be like, well, actually, I, I, that's not really a good enough reason to stop him. That's your issue. That's not that's not little one's issue. And I think women do do it. I think men tap each other on the back for doing foolishness. Yeah, of course they do. I think men, 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 are, I'm sorry, men need to call each other out. Like you, you said, um, Shelley, like men will condone so much nonsense from their friends or not even condone, but not say anything and just be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Women don't do that. Like, I, I don't know any women that do that um, to each other. Obviously, you might get a certain type of woman who cannot be spoken to and you might say something and then you might realise after saying something a certain amount of times, it's kind of wasted. But overall, I think women are way more honest and open. If I see any of my friends carrying on with things that, if they bring it to me, I'm not just going to butt into anyone's business, but they do bring it to me and I think, that's not really the right thing to do. I'll say it in a nice way, but like what the example you used of not letting a man see his kid, I would always be like, why do you think that's the good idea? Or why, why are you doing that? You know, um, or just, you know, sometimes I find men and women can be, that can be petty if there's some kind of disagreement going on. And I will never condone that. I'll be like, that's not a good look what you're doing. And I, and I find that that's women's general behaviour. And especially in families as well. Like, if I was carrying on a certain way, my mum would definitely say, Jess, that's not right, what you're doing. I think, do you know what? Sorry, but that just sounds like another blame game kind of thing. I think it's very much it on the friends. Yeah, it's an assumption. Because, of course, we sit down and talk. Just like we don't sit here when they're sitting down and talking in their man them groups. They're not going to sit down and hear where we're talking with our girls. Like, so... It doesn't mean that we're not advising our girls that that may be wrong. But when your girl leaves, she makes her own decision because fundamentally you and that man have got your own relationship. So your girl might say to you, like, you know what I mean? Like my girl checks me all the time if I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. That doesn't mean that when I actually go back into the situation, I'm going to remember that she checked me on that. Like, just that like, because now I'm in the situation facing that situation with him. Yeah, my girl's not here to check me. So, and I'm very sure it's the same with men. When they when they check one another, when they come back into the situation where it may be a little bit toxic or there's arguments or whatever, they forgot that their their friend checked them and told them to whatever. So I think that that's a little bit unfair to, to say that. Like, and they're, unless they're saying the friend's there in the background, like some, yeah, that's right. Da, 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 da. Unless you're actually seeing that, so they, I mean, they're, 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 they're agreeing that men need to check each other. You know, uh, my question to us is, should we do the same? I think, I think we do do it. We do it. And I, I hear men all day long saying, nah, it's none of my business. I don't want to get involved. And I've heard men say about their friends that are beating up their woman. Well, that's their business, isn't it? Like, boy, if she wants to be with him. And I'm like, how do you even roll with someone who's, who's acting like that? But I just think men have got a way more of a pack mentality. Even yeah, even if they disagree, even if they completely disagree, they don't. They won't really say anything, or they'll say in a roundabout way. So, 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 what, see, is that what you're doing? Like, you know, like how do you like? They won't say, "Wow, what are you doing? Don't do that, man." But they won't ever do that. No, they won't. 
they will kind of like, if they do say anything, it will be in a roundabout way or just a matter of fact. And then they'll leave it. They won't push it with, with girlfriends. They basically will just check you. Like they will let you know, you know, do what you want to do. But I don't agree with this. This is how, like, this is what I think. And then that's it. And one of the common ones is like, you know, you see um, a, a guy out and he's out with a different girl all the time, but you know that he's got a partner or a wife. Yeah. No man is going to go be telling anybody anything about what's going on. You know, a woman who's out and she sees this guy out with bare different women. She's going to go and probably at some point tell her friend, I saw X out with all of these different women. Whereas men usually generally will not do that. They're very rare to say to you, I can, this is what I've seen, you know, or put him in the, in the firing line. Yeah. So that's, um, that's part of it. So, so ladies going forward, what would you say some of the conversations women need to have with each other going forward in 2020? If any, I mean, cause we could, I mean, we are kind of fabulous. So I, I get it. I think amongst women, I, I think we already do this, but I think we could do more of reinforcing, like reinforcing like how much, how, how valuable self-love is, because I think that is something that a lot of women, you know, we lack. I think as you get older, you start to really understand self-love and practice it more. But especially younger women and girls, I think, amongst us women that's what we need to be driving home and reinforcing to each other because with self-love comes a lot of other positive things and I think there's a lot of situations we wouldn't even get into in terms of relationships if we practiced a bit more self-love and that real self-love that real self-love yeah that self-love where you'd see quotes everywhere it's like I value myself I'm self-love I'm that like not them kind of quote ones those real deep into the soul self-love kind of because I really do agree with you Jess but I I think that especially like and you might agree with me as well Sean because you're a lot you're into love as well I think that looking at that uh, on that journey looking at it I've come across lots of women that are like yeah I know my worth and I know this and I know that but then they're still accepting a lot lower low grade than what they're behavior. actually yeah, yeah do you know what I mean like the what they and I mean it takes time it takes time that self-love journey takes time to when one day you do wake up and you're like oh no actually I really do love myself um and, and that's what it is it's really identifying what that self-love is because that self-love thing is big out there at the moment yeah but like I said there's a lot of quotes that I see all the time <laughs> and I'm like that one yeah and I'm like nah that quote don't really sit well with me like that's not what I'm trying to put out there that's not what I'm trying to trying to um express and not only just for women you know for men as well men need to know how to love themselves because yeah. men don't love themselves this is, for, this, is for, themselves. this is for us this is for us at the minute this is for us <laughs> give it to the men too man give no, it to the men it. too it's, the thing is they've already had their love, podcast but, they've had their no, podcast no 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 I know I get that I get that but what I'm just sorry but just to say all right, but you ask for women what kind of conversations, yeah? So what I'm saying... I mean, you're right. Self-love for us. Yeah, and, and for them. They death. need it. They need it. They ain't got it. Forget it. And I, I guess, I, I, you know, just even just thinking that, you know, my thing is women being able to speak their truth and, 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 and women, other women, allowing their sisters to speak their truth without making them feel particular way about whatever they've said, whatever it is. I'm not saying you can't check them and call them out, but allow them the space to be themselves. I think sometimes we can make each other feel a little bit awkward or uncomfortable. I think for, for me, I think the conversations I, I have with women now um, and moving forward is more about like 
as part of self-love is self-acceptance. I think sometimes we we feel like we should be a certain way. We should like, like you know, what we were saying in the beginning is very much like, you know, we feel guilt, we feel this. And all those emotions and all those feelings are okay. Just accept who you are. And once you accept who you are, then you really will feel that self-love that, you know, we're all talking about. And I think sometimes we don't accept some of our flaws. We don't accept where we're coming from. We don't accept our curses. We don't accept our futures and I think once we learn how to really just look at who we are love who we are and accept that self-acceptance for me is the big thing for me I think hitting 40 was the one thing I needed to do I started to do is I had zero f's given like they disappeared I couldn't find any f's anywhere I was looking for them there was none and I realized because I accept who I am and where I'm going and where I'm going to be and I think that's the conversations that I think we need to have is that yeah this is me and I'm okay with that. And I think that's the conversation. Well, on that note, ladies, I want to say thank you so much. I feel valued and inspired to be around such lovely women, open and honestly just sharing women. I just want to say thank you very much. I hope you all come back on at a later date. Um, is there anything you'd like to share before we end? I just want to say thank you. It's been beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Tell them men to find some less egotistical <laughs> questions next time. <laughs> oh, check, don't check your ego. I, I, picked, I picked the things that I think would resonate and the things that they were very passionate about. Jessica, Sham, is there anything you want to leave us with before we clear off? I'd also like to say thank you. It's been a really wicked conversation. It's been really enjoyable. And it's been lovely meeting um, the other ladies as well. And just, yeah, it's been nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, ladies. And also just like, it's just nice to share, you know, our thoughts, our feelings, our ideas and our and our stories. Um, and I've enjoyed it. So, yes, ladies, thank you so much. Failure at 40. 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 Failure at 40.